0: What an opportunity we have to talk about unity in the midst of all that is around us. Families, I urge you to talk to your kids about this. To talk about what it means to be in politics and yet be unified. What it means to be peacemakers. Joel, thank you for that. Open up our eyes, Lord, so that we can see you in the midst of this, and we can be you, your hands and your feet in the midst of this. Amen. Kids, today, I have the honor and privilege of getting to talk to you, and also about you. I thought I would keep it a little bit lighthearted, and I would start with a riddle. I'll give you about 10 seconds to see if you can figure it out. It goes like this. What is the first thing that you're ever given in life and that you will probably use almost every day until the day you die? What is it? Names. Your name is the answer. Names are powerful. Over the last little while, Pastor Phil has been talking about the church's name: Kelowna Gospel Fellowship Church. And how it's supposed to model for us, how we're supposed to live out our lives here in in Kelowna and outside of it. And I thought about that for a second and I realized that our own personal names have that same kind of application. If you were to try to call me in the middle of a crowd, what would you do? Well, obviously, you would use my first name. If you were like my mom and you wanted to let me know that I was in trouble, you would probably use my first and middle name. Our first and our middle names communicate a sense of uniqueness about us. It makes us an individual. But our last names communicate that we are part of something bigger. We belong to a family, to a community, to a body. I know that a few weeks ago, Pastor Phil, talked about Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16. And as I was reading it, I felt like this would be a great opportunity to come back to it. So with your Bibles, I want you to spend some time in your household reading Ephesians 4 chapter, Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16 together. And the verse will be on the screen behind me. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As I was reflecting on this, I was challenged by what that would look like in our church. And kids, I was thinking about you. What would this look like for you? How are we as a church to participate in the growing up of you? And so today we're going to be talking about rites of passages. The what's, the why's, and the how's. And I thought uh, a fun way to start because, you know, as a, as a children's director, I love play. I love engaging with what we're learning in a unique way. And so um, I would encourage you to get a piece of paper and a pen. And when you're doing that, I'm going to explain to you, because I know it's the question on your mind, are what are rites of passage? Well, they're rituals, ceremonies, events, or even milestones that help us have an idea of how someone is growing up and becoming an adult. What's that you say? An example. Great question. Well, uh, an example would be like getting your driver's license or graduating from high school. And today, our our game is going to be a version of Scattergories if you've ever played. And it's going to be in your households. You're all going to work together on this. And you will have one minute and 27 seconds to come up with as many things as you can think about um, on rites of passage in North America. And they can be gender specific if it's girls or for boys or just generally for, for adults. Hopefully, that makes sense and you can get off as many as you can. And I'm going to time you. So, on your marks, get set, go. You have 45 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Put your pens down. Now is the part where I'll read off a list that I did at home. And if you have any of these, cross them out. They don't count as points. And whatever you have left over, you can add points to. So some rites of passages in North America are considered uh, your first date, maybe your first relationship, where girls get periods and men's voice drop, facial hair, your driver's license, first car, graduation of high school or college, your first job, when you turn 19 and you can legally drink. Moving out, your first time renting, baptism, marriage, your first sexual experience, pregnancy, parenthood, voting age, doing your taxes, or being financially independent. And I thought I would throw in a couple Canadian milestones, maybe your first hockey game or your first taste of real maple syrup. I'm curious as to how many you guys were able to get down in that short period of time. But I wanted us to to get us thinking about this. As I ask kids, this is my question for you, is what will it be for you that will make you officially an adult? And parents, as your kids are going to tell you this, I encourage you to write down what they say on the live stream comment section or on the Facebook comment section, wherever you're watching this, so that those who don't have kids in their household can hear what's being said. And as I've been asking this question to some of our kids and our teens, I've been surprised, but not surprised at the same time. It's been fascinating to hear that to be an adult could be when we get married, the day we move out, uh, could be when you are become a mom or a dad, when you graduate high school. There seems to be this incredibly vague definition of what it means to be mature and or an adult. And this 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 became a wrestling point for me because if it's hard enough for us to figure out physically what it means to be an adult, how can we answer this question of what it means to be spiritually mature? For you see, kids, kids will flock to where the attention lies. As they grow up, They want to be noticed. They want to be heard. They want to be seen and valued. And so wherever we look as adults, they're going to flock to. So if you're a sports family and you value sports, you're probably going to encourage your kids into sports. And the accomplishments that they make there are going to be more valuable than in any other area. Like moths to a flame, our kids strive for attention. And I don't want this to be a place of guilt or shame for our parents, no. Rather, what an opportunity for the church to step in and to create an intentional process in order to come alongside parents as we grow our kids, as Ephesians says, to allow the other parts to grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Why is this important? If we're not intentional as a church in the maintaining of growth in our kids, then our culture and its values will do the job for us. Right now, let's take a look at where our kids are at. Kids, you're not spending as much time around friends as you used to, whether it was in school or in your sports or in your extracurricular activities. You've been cut off by so much. And all that attention is placed on the parents. And that's a lot of weight for parents to bear if that hasn't been their regular rhythm. And this summer, camps have been canceled. Camps are instrumental in the growth of our children, the stretching of faith, and the grounding of it. So church, I ask you, What are we going to do about it? Families need mentorship in order to lead and navigate in times like these. So what's our role in this? How does growth happen? How do we step in? Well, first I think it's we need to understand how rites of passage work. And I've broken it down into four parts. Part one, starting with preparation. Preparation is for all of us, actually, not just the person we're focusing on in growing. You see, we are broken people and we carry brokenness with us. And we And in order for us to continue on, we must recognize that whatever pain is not transformed is transferred. Kids, adults carry a lot. We hide a lot. And sometimes we don't make it a practice of repenting to God in front of you. Our hope is that we can make it a regular rhythm inside the family and outside of it. Preparation also comes in the form of casting off what once was. As Ephesians 4 states it, is that to, to no longer be children, to be childish, to, to no longer be tossed about to and fro of the world's and its emotions. Jesus actually models this himself in preparation to begin his ministry. He baptizes himself. It's the the casting off the old and stepping into obedience. Baptism is one of the church's rites of passage, and I hope it only grows to be more of a sacred movement in our church. The second step is this, it's initiation. This may seem obvious to say, but kids, you're only gonna get older. You're going to grow up, whether you want to or not. And it is our responsibility as a church to help you in that. Initiation is a formal ceremony where we know that we are moving from one stage of life into the next. And if it's done well, kids, as you move from one stage into the next, you will recognize that you are an environment of transformation. You are going to change. If it's not done well, if this is a stage that is missed, As I said, kids are going to grow up. They're going to self-initiate. And it might be messy. I mean, it already is. (laughs) Growing up is hard. But if there's no direction provided by the important communities around us, I've seen it done. In my work with Youth for Christ, in kids that don't have fathers, In kids that don't have good good quality parenting, in kids that actually do have good quality parenting but refuse to listen and recognize the wisdom that is there. The choices they make can be painful. They seek and strive for independence when rather we should be seeking and striving for interdependence. And I wanted to explain dependence and interdependence. One, dependence is like a flow of water. Like you're trying to fill up a cup, and you have only one direction in which the water flows into the cup. We depend completely on that one source. Interdependence is where we have two equal cups, and they share their resources as needed. Independence is where you are completely isolated from any resource. You are trying to make it on your own. And I want to challenge our church today to think about this idea that God actually doesn't value independence. In our relationship with him, we are to be dependent. And in our relationship with one another, we are to be interdependent. It's a little bit confusing, I know, kids. But that's a good question to ask your parents. What does it look like to be interdependent? and yet dependent on God. The third stage is formation. This is kids. This this stage of your life is where you really need to be paying attention. That's my challenge to you. And it has to do with three things. What you need to know, who you need to be, and what you need to do. What you need to know is all about wisdom. Are you listening to the people who are wise around you? Are we as adults listening to those who are wise around us? There's this YouTube channel that's kind of blown up really recently, and it goes by the name of Dad, How Do I? And it's simply this dad who grew up without a father. And he had to learn to do so many things on his own. And in his own mind, he said, You know what? I am not going to let people have to flounder. I'm going to teach them what they need to know. And he makes this intentional process to be father like. Then it's heartwarming and he makes it an intentional process to say, I am proud of you. He adds the wisdom of things to know, and he adds who you need to be. And that is our character. Combined with skill, we become an all-around force to be reckoned with as we move into adulthood. And the last stage for me is very important. This is the stage that our kids are trying to get to, but oftentimes we skip the first three steps and it's recognition. It is recognizing, it is the community coming in and recognizing to our our teens, our kids, of the changes, the development, the growth, the accomplishments, and the discipline that it took to get to where they are. And it is equally the welcoming of that youth, that teen, that child into the community of adults. (laughs) Recognition also can be tied to name. Names are powerful as a teen makes a transition into adulthood, it can often look like this. You are strong and you are courageous. You carry the character of God in you. You are loving, you are kind. This is evident again in Jesus before he starts his ministry. As soon as he's baptized, he's raised up, and God himself speaks, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hasn't even begun his ministry, and yet he receives a name. We see this throughout Scripture. With Abraham, when he he becomes Abraham and Sarah, we have Israel. Saul into Paul. Simon into Peter. Names are initiation in and of themselves. They help clarify to our kids who they are and who they are meant to be. Because all in all, our aim in life is to grow in maturity, to be like Christ, to be with him. It's this conversation that Phil's been having over and over and over again. That is our goal. So how do we raise our kids in that? I thought it would be a good exercise to end our time with what is called a listening prayer. Names are powerful. They help define who we are, and we carry them throughout our life. And so I I encourage you to close your eyes and imagine with me that you are in a park. The air is a little bit damp as it's just rained. The smell is fresh. As you walk through this park, looking at the trees and the spring flowers, you hear someone coming behind you. You turn to greet him, and it's Jesus. Hello, my child, he says. It is good to see you. It is good to be with you. And you smile in return. And you can just feel his presence around you. The peace. All those worries, those concerns, those fears of the news melt away. You are in the presence of Jesus. And he looks at you... And he goes, I have something for you. And he gives you a name. Now, here's the thing. This might not be a name that applies to you. It might actually apply to someone else in your life. Hold on to that name. And as you walk together Jesus looks at you and he says, I am proud of you. I cannot wait to see how you shape and form the church and the work and the giftings that I have given you. You are at peace. You can open your eyes. Whatever, whatever name you have received, it might be for you. Store it away in your heart. And then share it with your family or with someone close to you about what that means to you. If that name applies to somebody else, I want you to give it to them. You may not know what it means, but God does. And, church, my final challenge to you is to call a child in your life, a teen in your life, or to talk to if they're in the same room, and tell them who they are, who you see them as they are also becoming. My prayer is that this will be the lunchtime conversation about the building up and the growing of our kids and our church together.